Spirit is with us and in us and on us and works through us. We have that life. That's my, Bruce teases me about my declaration for this year when people ask me, how are you? And I say, this year the Lord said, fully alive. Answer, you're fully alive. And it's a, it can be a conversation starter or stopper, depending on, you know, who, who's receiving it. But it's also a reminder to me that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. So when someone asks me, how are you? And I, I proclaim over myself, I am fully alive. I am fully alive. Everything that I've ever needed is provided for me. And Christ is in me, the hope of glory. And he's in, he's in each of us. And uh, Travis is going to read us a psalm this morning to just lead us into worship and then we'll turn it over to Suzanne and uh, just enter in in spirit and in truth just enter in and bring a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord this morning for all he's done hallelujah so that's ahead, that's Psalm 150 right, right? Yes. yes okay uh, this is from the passion translation Hallelujah, praise the Lord, praise God in his holy sanctuary, praise him in his stronghold in the sky, praise him for his mighty miracles, praise him for his magnificent greatness, praise him with trumpets blasting, praise him with piano and guitar, praise him with drums and dancing, praise him with loud clashing of cymbals, praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everyone everywhere join the crescendo of ecstatic praise to Yahweh. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Woohoo! Hallelujah. Yeah. Ecstatic praise to the Lord. Love that. That's the passion. Hallelujah. All right. We invite your resurrection power to resurrect to life those areas that have been wounded, that are dead. We speak life to the dry bones. Life to the Truly, all we can say is there's nothing, nothing that satisfies like you, that you would be our sole satisfaction, that you would be our first go-to, that you would truly be our all in all, our everything. Thank you all we have, all we are, and lay it before you. Father, our hearts are overwhelmed with thanksgiving, God, with uh, the beauty of who you are and all you've done for us. You are so magnificent. You are so magnificent. You are so magnificent. We love you, Mark. We love you. So Suzanne was doing like flourishes there on the piano and just making the keyboards sing. And I just felt like the Lord said, Lift up thanksgiving to me like a flourish. So if your heart is just flowing over with thanksgiving, just, just kind of watch where the yellow box is on the other Brady Bunch people and uh, just jump in. Just jump in with your thanksgiving and let's just give it as, a, as an offering of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, let's be thankful. Let's be thankful. I know your hearts are, are bubbling up. Just let it out. It does everybody in the body good just to hear your thanksgiving. Well, I think we should just for like two minutes, two seconds, just unmute yourself and let's just do a couple of claps and woohoos. Offer a clap offering of thanksgiving to the Lord. It'll sound awful, but it'll sound great to the Lord's ears. So you want to just unmute? <laughs> yes, Jesus. Awesome. You win. You always win. Suzanne for leading us 
into to such a beautiful place with the Lord. And uh, we are just, so many people came in while I had my eyes closed. So the, uh, um, Marilyn, I see you got your daughter and son-in-law with you. There's Madeline and Brent. And uh, Michael and Kirsten and Telvi are here with us. And Robin Lynn, I actually saw them. They had video there for a while. Hallelujah. Brian came in. Crystal and Marcus came in. Alan came in. Todd and Donna came in. Michelle and Kevin, we figured you were coming in. But we have another representative of your family. That's that's great. So bless you. And we're going to do the He is Risen. He is Risen Indeed thing again. Because we just need to. This is, this is the day. Gordon and I were hiking in the morning yesterday. And... I was saying happy Easter to everyone, and I we passed this whole family clan, and I thought, I'm guessing they're believers. Just there was some light in their faces, and I said, he is risen. <laughs> and one of the young people went, woohoo. <laughs> so let's do it. I'll say he is risen. You say he is risen indeed. One, two, three. He is risen. He is, he is risen, risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. That's it. That's it. Hallelujah. So, uh, uh, just for a reminder, if any of you weren't aware, we're going to do communion. So we'll, we're going to go and do that next, the Lord's Supper. This is such a special Sunday because it actually is the last day of Passover, and it's Easter. So I just was thinking of John 17 and Jesus's prayer, you know, in, in 2 Timothy or in our Bible study, we're talking about the last things that people say when they know they're not going to be in the earth for very much longer. And 2 Timothy is the last letter Paul wrote. And so, you know, you really pay attention. And when I look at the Gospel of John and what John the Beloved the one that Jesus took close to his heart, the one that leaned on his chest, knew his heart. And, and the last thing he records as Jesus teaching is John 17, which, which Jesus prays, we would all be one. And he prays that the, his people, the Jews, would know him. And then he prays for other, the other flock who will come in, which is all of us, the Gentile flock. And that the new man would be created, someone who never lived before in the earth, the new man that had the divine nature in him, um, Jew and Gentile made one, that we would be one in him. So this is an awesome, special day. You know, Jesus is, they gather for the Passover supper. The lambs were raised in Bethlehem. He was born in Bethlehem. They were brought for sacrifice. And they were, he, he goes and he says, there's tons of people in Jerusalem. Everybody's there for the feast. But I have so looked forward to sharing this time with you guys because this is going to be the last time in this world. And we will do it again in the kingdom. And it's, it's an incredible, incredible honor and thing that we do uh, bringing the, the, the bread and the, and the cup together to acknowledge what he did and the price he paid and then living in the reality that sin and death were conquered. So if you haven't got your elements, we'll let you scurry off and get those. <clears throat> and um, Bruce is going to lead us uh, this morning in, in the Lord's Supper. So that's it to you, Bruce. The tremendous perspective to to what we're we're celebrating. We've we've uh, I, I I was thinking about Fridays that I've had, and uh, actually I, I think I thought about Terry Joe first, the Fridays that she went through, and now we have we have Jesus, and 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 there is a lot of us going through Fridays. I've been spending been spending time in prayer. Okay, let's, uh, is everybody ready for communion? I, I chose something a little different. I'm going to read, going to read from Matthew 26. And it's actually the, the last supper that the disciples had with Jesus. And uh, I'll, I, won't, I won't be giving you many prompts. But when, uh, 
I'll say when to take the bread. But I, I think the, these are Jesus' words, and uh, they're good enough for they're good enough for us. They're good enough for me. So I'm just going to read them, starting with uh, verse 17 in in chapter 26. On the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, "Where do you want us to make preparations for t- to eat the Passover?" He replied. Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad began to say to him one after the other, Surely not I, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who betrayed him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. While they were eating, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread, gave thanks. Twenty-six. Twenty-six. I lost my words. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Let us partake together. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it all, drink drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's partake together. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. I I wanted to read that part because it has sure been wonderful singing today. The the thankful hearts that you gave, but I I have to tell you, I, I was enjoying the silence too. It was quite medicinal, being still and knowing that I am God. But it all it all worked. God brings us all together and works it all out. And I, I, I can't, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else today than with you guys. Bless you all. Amen. Amen. Thanks, verse. Um, let's just let's just go into. Um, a time of prayer and like the way we usually do just pray we'll pray for um we'll pray with enough information that- i thank you so amen amen you can just feel a spirit of intercession rising up there i think we could go on for hours and i know many of you do and that you have a ministry of bringing the things before the lord that he uh, he places on your heart and uh, praying through burdens. It's, it's such an honor and a privilege. I have um, I've just been reading uh, the, the four gospel accounts of this Passion Week and the, you know, starting from where actually Bruce was reading um, with the Last Supper and the Passover meal and the, the disciples gathering together with the Lord and then um, going out to the garden. And it's it's remarkable to me. Um, I even looked for like a harmony of the gospels that puts all the details together. You know, different writers include different parts, like the road to Emmaus, some of them have that, and some of them have um, different details about Peter's denial. And I just, 
you know, my, 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 my desire would just be to, to just like read the whole thing through with all of the details in it because it's so spectacular. It's so, and it's amazing how the Lord worked through the telling of the story and the, the various gospel writers to include what he did. And it's a testimony to its veracity, to its truthfulness that they include some of the many of the same things but many other details which testifies to it being written accurately by different people and and not invented um which some people still do not believe in this centerpiece of our faith the the resurrection <clears throat> i always read you this this quote that i uh i i saw from or i heard from a um a, a preacher that said what we're aiming for under God is not that people get information or a few practical pointers, but that they have a divine encounter with the living God through the word of God, by the power of the spirit of God. And he said, um, is there even a nanosecond where someone says, Surely this is the word of God. And of course, it's a play on the, the Roman centurion saying, surely this was the son of God. Surely this is the word of God. I must ponder here for a moment. And, and so as I, um, you know, just, just, I have so many notes of things that were new to me. It's incredible to me that I can have such a, familiarity with this text and yet things come up and I and I, I'm seeing them for the first time so Lord I, I just ask that the things that are the most helpful the most the most relevant for us in this time um, would come forward and that we would um, move from from the darkness of Friday and the waiting of Saturday into not only the resurrection of Sunday, but Lord, right into the book of Acts, Father, where you birthed the church. Lord, not that we don't still encounter Fridays and Saturdays, but Lord, that we would be people who live in uh, the kingdom and the glory and the honor that you brought to your people in a new covenant to live in the power of your life in us, the same spirit that raised you from the dead, Jesus, dwells in us. And so, Father, we thank you. Thank you that apparently you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, before time was, consulted together because Jesus is called the Lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. You are outside of time. Time is for us who live in a linear life, but you are eternal. And you saw that the plan needed a man who was a lamb who would come and pay the price and, and his blood would be spilt and would make a way for us to be things that had never existed before in the universe, God, man, God, man, people with a divine nature and a, and a, a human body and spirit, but that would one day be fit for the new earth and the new heaven and walk with you for eternity. What a glorious plan, Lord. What a glorious God that you could carry it out. And you did, and you are, and you are faithful to bring it to completion. And so, Lord, I bless you and thank you. Thank you for what we acknowledge today as being the center point of all history for all mankind, for all time. In Jesus' name. So, um, I, I'm just going to, like, jump through some of the highlights of these last hours in the Lord's life and it's so interesting how God um, brings a theme to the forefront. A um, number of people just thanking God that he loves them in their frailty and their imperfection. What else has he got to work with, right? Just people. 
Ain't none of us perfect. <laughs> so we can get over our bad selves on that, right? He only has us clay vessels to work with. Oh, and I want to say hi to Marvin Don there. I think my, my pictures on the screen shift, right? And I missed you guys, so bless you. So glad you can join us. And, um, and, and Marcus mentioning that, you know, we serve the Lord without fear of sudden calamity. These, these are such relevant times. So interesting that Jesus is like longing in his heart to share this last Passover with his brothers. And, and as soon as that happens, then he also discloses to them that one of them who he has lived with and fellowshiped with and given his utmost to for these years is going to betray him. And of course it's Judas, but it's not obvious to, to the rest of the disciples that it's Judas. And then the very next thing that happens, if you read Luke's account, is, is this is kind of surprising to me, but it's not because it's so human. The next thing that happens is the disciples begin to argue about who's the greatest in the kingdom. And they're like, what? <laughs> You're what? You're doing what? And so Jesus has just said, one of you is going to betray me. And they're like, well, okay, so I guess we're going to figure out who's the worst, but who's the best? Who's the best? And, and they're, they're completely missing the solemnity and the seriousness of these last moments with Jesus and Jesus trying to impart his heart and his wisdom to them. So then Jesus says to Peter, Peter, you are going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, nope. Um, you know, everybody else might run away, but I'll die for you, Lord. I'm, I'm in this the whole way. And uh, so it's, it's just so interesting, the humanness. We're talking about a little bit about our, all of our own frailties and foibles. The only people Jesus has to work with are imperfect people. So here's the gang. And they, the next thing the Lord says is, let's go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's so stunning to me, and honestly, I hadn't seen this before. It's so stunning to me that the whole of this idea of God's begins in a garden. It begins in the Garden of Eden with the first Adam. And here Jesus takes the disciples to a garden. You know, we sang graves into gardens this morning. And he, he is... He is fulfilling the Father's plan. And he goes to the garden and he asks the guys to pray with them. And, and we know the, the story that um, they didn't, they were so tired and they were weary um, from sorrow and they kept falling asleep. And then here comes Judas, who has the gall to, well, gall is another word in the Bible too, but he comes up. He has the audacity to come and to greet Jesus with this greeting of a kiss and betrays him. He says, you'll know because I'll go and greet him with this greeting of a kiss, which was what was done. And Jesus must have been so full of sorrow to say, you know, Judas, are you betraying me with a kiss? And then Jesus says, who is it you're looking for? Now some of the, some of the scholars say that this was a contingent of officers uh, from the, the temple police sort of and from the from the Romans and that there could have been up to 600 guys there. I don't know if, if anybody had really thought about how many people showed up there to arrest one peaceful rabbi. But there's a mass of guys there, trained men, and Jesus says, "Who are you looking for?" And, um, and they said, Jesus of Nazareth, and he says, I am he. You know, do you love this part? And the whole battalion goes, kaboom, down on the ground. They're knocked over by the power of the words of the proclamation of God who says, I'm the one you're looking for. And can you imagine the kerfuffle of all these trained military men who find themselves flat on their backs in the face of a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi, in the dark, in a garden, 
who says, I am he. There's got to be stories that came out of that night amongst those men, right? There's got to have been stories where they said, what on, what on earth just happened there? Was that a strong wind? Like, they knew it was Jesus. They knew it was his words, his proclamation of who he was. And so it's so evident as you read through the gospel account, Jesus is in charge. And it's, it's so contrary to the in-chargeness of the government or, and the Romans. They are do everything by power and destruction. And Jesus has true authority. Jesus has true authority. And so there's many times when he chooses, you know, before Pilate, before Herod Antipas, before the chief priests, he just remains silent. In fact, he, he has to give them the material for which to condemn him in a solid fashion because their testimonies are so tripped up that they can't come up with one argument that will stand before Pilate because they're not allowed to crucify somebody. If you haven't read Isaiah 53 in a long time, that's a part of the story too, that just Isaiah and all his messianic prophecies tells all the, so many details of how Jesus would die and he, that he'd be, be buried amongst the rich and everything. It's so, so very incredible. So if you haven't read that for a while, I encourage you. Jesus is following the plan of God. God has got this. As I kept going through the various aspects of the story, I just kept writing down, God's got this. God's got this. You know, as, as much as the disciples did not understand, God had it the whole time. God was in charge. God is in charge. And I think it's so apropos and it's so encouraging for us who are in the midst of a new, the next thing God is doing, the new thing God is doing, the whatever he is doing in our time that we are part of, do we perceive it? Do we understand the new thing? And we've mentioned this several times. In the garden, Peter, who's the hothead, and was, and frankly, trying to protect Jesus, swings a sword at Malchus, the high priest's servant, and whacks off his ear, and Jesus touches the side of the man's head. I don't know if he picked up the ear and glued it back on supernaturally. If a new ear grew, it doesn't give us the details, but Malchus, Malchus's ear is healed. And again, that whole contingent of soldiers saw that. The disciples saw that. He would have had blood all down, spattered over his, his clothing and all over his neck with a new ear, with a new ear. And it's such a, such a picture of the power of God. Jesus is in charge. And here's a thought I hadn't thought ever. If Peter had slashed off Malchus's ear and Jesus hadn't healed it, Peter probably would have been killed that night. And Jesus, who has already said, Peter, you're going to deny me. But when you come back, you, you lead the others. And here, I'm sealing your destiny with this servant's ear. You will not die this night. You will not be crucified with me at this time. You will lead my church upon this rock that you said, I am the Christ, the son of the living God. I will bring my church about, and I'm sealing your destiny, Pete. I'm sealing your destiny. Peter's story is such an amazing story. Mary Magdalene's story is such an amazing story. Mary, the mother of Jesus. If you put yourself in any one of the, the shoes of these individuals on this night and then those three days, the roller coaster of their, their world that was taking place in each of their stories was phenomenal. We, we have been through stuff. But it's not new, you know, it's not new. And we can take courage in the fact that Jesus walks ahead and looks after these things. He is in charge. God is in charge. And so he goes before Pilate. He goes before Herod. Pilate, you know, at one point the chief priests say to him, if you do not crucify this guy, you are no friend of Caesar's. 
And they actually blackmail him at that point because he's completely ready to let Jesus go. He sees right through the thin veneer of jealousy of the chief priests. He's like, this guy hasn't done anything worthy of death. All of him flogged, ouch. All of him flogged and released. And they're like, no, no, no. And then he even says, I usually release a prisoner to you every year. It's a thing we do. It's a tradition. Let me release for you Jesus, uh, that Jesus, the king of the Jews. And the text is actually, uh, and the, by then the chief priests have stirred up the crowd to release Barabbas, who some of the gospel writers say was uh, involved in insurrection and was a murderer. Some say a troublemaker. Two of them say he was a murderer. And the crowd is incited to ask for Barabbas. Interesting thing was, his name is Jesus Barabbas. So Pilate stands up and says, shall I give you Jesus Barabbas? Whose Barabbas means son of a father, which some scholars think was, was a, a term for an illegitimate son. He was a son of some father. He was certainly a son of Adam. He was a murderer. Shall I give you Jesus, Barabbas? Shall I give you Jesus, the murderer? Or shall I give you Jesus, the anointed one? That's because it was like the name Joshua. It was a common name. And the crowd says, give us Barabbas. Give us the murderer. And your, your whole, everything just jangles on your sensibilities to say, it's Passover. Is no one getting this? Is no one getting this? Is no one cluing into the fact of what is going on here? But of course they don't, because they're in they're in the midst of it, and they don't know what's coming, and they're <clears throat> really not uh, understanding the reality of resurrection. And we'll see that as the story goes on. Even though Jesus has said, "I'm going to be I'm going to be crucified, and this is going to happen." And I will, I will meet with you again. <clears throat> Nobody's got it. Nobody's gotten it. And so it, <clears throat> they end up, they nail him to the cross. And that whole, that whole process and that he says, you know, I will be lifted up. The Jewish method of killing someone was stoning. But the prophets 700 years earlier said he will be hung on a tree, which was just the worst of the worst, so shameful. And that method of, of killing a criminal had not even been invented yet. And he's, he's hung on a tree, and he's got a, a, a thief on either side of him. And of all the testimonies at the cross, there's the Roman soldier who sees all that happens, who sees it get dark from noon to three o'clock in the afternoon, when it should be bright midday and he sees it get dark and he goes, surely this was the son of God. A Roman soldier testifies, the Roman soldier gets it. And who is at the foot of the cross? It's Mary, his mother, and it's Mary Magdalene and it's Mary, another Mary who was wife of Clopas and the beloved disciple and Jesus says, John, look after my mom. She's a widow now. And John, you, 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 you take care of her. And those women, if you start to go through the rest of the story, you see that the women were always there. It says the women. And the women stayed to see what would happen to the body. And the women go to prepare the body with spices. And the women go early in the morning, and they're, they're met by the angels. And the women go and tell the guys, hey, guess what's happened? And they don't believe them. And I just, I just want to say on Friday when we were praying, there was this word that came forth that God is calling men. God is calling men. And I didn't know if this would come out. But God is calling men. He's always called men. He's always called us. Each of us has a role to play. But I want to say in this time, there is a special call on the leadership of men to arise in this time that the, the women were nurturing the story. The women were taking care of the details. The women were there following. But when they proclaimed, 
when they proclaim this has happened we have seen the lord the men did not believe they were in unbelief and and then peter and john run to the tomb and the two on the road to emmaus they're walking and they said jesus comes up beside them and he's and he says what's going on why do you look so sad and gloomy why do you look so sad and gloomy and they said are you the only one in jerusalem for this feast that doesn't know what's going on haven't you heard there was a man who was a great prophet and we expected that he would come and he would bring the kingdom and it hasn't happened at all like what we thought and what did jesus do it says and he opened the scriptures to them he opened the scriptures to them and it says their hearts burned within them their hearts burned within them they're walking along and for miles and miles this stranger is just illuminating to them the things that isaiah said the things that jeremiah said the things that were in exodus and the lamb and the passover and he's telling them everything and they're like oh man they love to be with this guy forever not knowing they have been with him for you know this last time and, and finally he's, he stays and he breaks the bread with them and they, their eyes are opened and they recognize who he is we are in a time when it is so easy for us to assume we know what's going on or that things are always going to go on as they have been and i just want to encourage us to have eyes to see when mary goes into the tomb the women go in and they were they went with spices interesting thing is you can tell there was there's no texting back then nicodemus and joseph joseph of arimathea got together joseph asks for the body takes the body down buys could be hundreds of pounds of spices which were very expensive and the cloth and they rolled the body up with the spices that was already done but Mary and the women didn't know that they wouldn't have been communicating with members of the council they wouldn't have talked to women so here are high placed Jews who have now become unclean because they touched a dead body and they said they both become secret disciples. Joseph of Arimathea said, don't do this. I don't agree with what you're going to do. Nicodemus came and he met Jesus at night. And he, Jesus says, you have to be born again. And that's where we have the incredible revelation of how people need to be born again is because of Nicodemus. And Joseph and Nicodemus go and they take the body and they wrap it and they honor Jesus. They honor Jesus. They give him a rich man's burial. They put him in an unused tomb. And they roll the stone in front. And then the Romans come and they seal it because the chief priest said, those liars said that they will come, that he will rise from the dead. The Romans got it. The chief priests and religious people got it. And the disciples don't get it. And they're like, we're going to put a seal on that rock. If anybody breaks the seal, automatic death death sentence right nobody's going to break that seal and the women go and they're bringing spices because they don't know his body's already been you know embalmed whatever the proper term is treated with the spices <clears throat> and what do the angels say to them? why are you looking for the living amongst the dead what are you doing here and yet jesus knew they would they would go right he knew where they were he knew what their thoughts were he knew what their perception was. He knew they'd go to the tomb. And he's like folded up the cloth that was over his head. Remember when Lazarus came out? And he's all wrapped in cloths. And he's like a big mommy, right? And and Jesus, Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. But here's Jesus is like gone. And all the cloths that were around his body are there. And then he took the time to fold up the cloth that was over his face and put it on the stone table because he knew the women would go and he and probably said and that'll make them think yeah that'll make them think that didn't i didn't just disintegrate i was here i came out i folded up the little thing that was over my face and i'm risen 
And the angels, I think, sometimes are just in awe of how dumb we are and how honored we are. That what is man that God is mindful of us and we're we and yet we we are honored with the divine nature which they are not. And so sometimes the angels just say things like, Don't you know the answer to this? Like they do, they see what's going on from heaven's perspective. And so often we're just seeing from Earth's perspective. And so the angels say, Well, we're here because this was our assignment, we're messengers, and so we're gonna give you the message, but really? Why are you here? <laughs> like, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? And here's here's what the angel says. Uh, Two men in dazzling white robes, this is Luke 24, <clears throat> shining like lightning appeared, and, and the women were terrified, and they fell to the ground on their faces. And the men in white said to them, why would you look for the living one in a tomb? He's not here. He has written. Have you forgotten what he said to you while he was still in Galilee? The Son of Man is destined to be handed over to sinful men to be nailed to a cross. And on the third day, he will rise again. And this is so important to me that the angels said, and I don't know what angels' memory is like. Maybe angels have better memories than us. The angels said, have you forgotten? And then, you know, the women remembered as soon as, as soon as they said that all at once, they remembered his words and leaving the tomb, they went to break the news to the 11 and all the others of what they'd seen. And when the disciples heard the testimony of the women, because now a woman's testimony was not valid in court, right? It made no sense to them. They were unable to believe what they heard, but then they jumped up and uh, and ran to the tomb and saw the empty tomb. And John goes in and says, and he believed, and he believed. But I want to. I just want to take you back to a very important thing because Mary, we don't worship Mary, but she was a pretty neat lady. God chose her for a reason. When she was a young virgin an angel came to her. She's had a couple encounters with angels. An angel came to her and said she would bear the Messiah. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. And so Mary must have been in that tomb going, oh yeah, that word that I've been holding for 33 or 34 years. He will rule over a kingdom that will never end. Don't you remember? Don't you remember? Don't you remember? And when Mary goes to see Elizabeth, who's carrying John the Baptist, <clears throat> and here's what, here's what, um, here's what Elizabeth said to Mary. When, when I heard the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in, my, leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed, take get this, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. I just want you to think of every promise of God that has been spoken to your heart, every prophetic word, every scripture that you know that has been spoken to you. And I bless you with a blessing of a faithful mother, the tenacity of Mary, the perseverance of a woman who encountered God and heard the message and believed Blessed are you that you would, you would believe there will be a fulfillment of what has been spoken to you by the Lord. In our Second Timothy Bible study, it says, 
God is able, God is able to do what he said he would do. Paul says, I'm so convinced. I'm convinced that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. It didn't matter if it was Mary who thought she lost her son, who thought that the promise It was so confusing. How is this promise going to be fulfilled? Peter, who's absolutely left, um, pun intended, without an anchor and goes back to fishing. They just went back to what they went back to old. They went back to old. Mary Magdalene, gosh, if she went back to old, that would have been so tragic. They were displaced, disillusioned, hopeless individuals. And Jesus comes and he puts each one of them back together. He says, Pete, you denied me three times. Now you're going to, you are will affirm three times that there you will lead my sheep. You will guide my flock. You will go forward. You are built to lead the people forward. And then he said, wait, wait, don't leave Jerusalem because there's a power that's going to come and it's going to ignite you. And he's always been here. It's by the spirit of the living God that Jesus lived his life in the power of the spirit. Then Jesus goes back to heaven. Holy Spirit comes and inhabits us and gives us the power to overcome. He overcame death. He overcame sin. It's, it's such an incredible power. And he says the same power is in you now that you are born again by the spirit of the living God and the church was launched and the power came like he came like a rushing wind I was thinking like a freight train and with fire he says I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire here's where we live in this glorious 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 plan is we live in this time that says it doesn't matter what I've done Look at Mary Magdalene. Look at the woman at the well. It doesn't matter if I think that I'm I'm good, like Nicodemus thought he was good. It can be the best or the worst of us. Everybody is a sinner. Everybody needs to come the same way. And we have this incredible story to tell to a world that doesn't know no one is disqualified. No one is disqualified. And that we have the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth and give us the boldness to bring the kingdom, to bring the kingdom. So for me, this isn't just resurrection day. This is like a reminder that that was the day history switched, history changed, and that the same power, that was where I started to say in 2 Timothy, is that power, he is able, is dunamis power, he has dynamite power. He is well able. Philippians 1.6. He is able to complete that good work that he began in each of us, in each of you. And so I just want to pray a blessing, a blessing on you for just that sense that God's got this. No matter where you are in your story, God's got this. But be the one who believes what the Lord has said to you, and he will see you through to the end. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you that you are such an amazing God that would put such a plan into action, and that your desire is to bring many sons to glory and to set everything right again and restore us to relationship with you and with one another and to make things right in the whole earth, Lord. So, Father, we say yes. We say yes to you. We say yes to a God who loves us. Yes to a Father who knows us, who knows everything we've done, who knows every thought we've ever thought who knows a word before it's on our mouth and yet loves us. Lord, thank you that you live 
in us and through us, comfort us and guide us, meet us where we are to take us where you are, that you have the power to complete that good work. We bless you, Lord, and thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in this town of hope. Thank you that for the destiny on this place. And we just ask you to finish the good work you've completed. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Bless you, sister. Henry, would you uh, would you just maybe close close our time in prayer? I'll release everybody. You okay with that, Henry? Not really. Thanks, brother. He's shy. He's so shy. I know he's in the dark. He'll be fine. Rise up, men of God. Lord, we thank you for this day. Oh, at it now. Let's see behind you. Appointed duties, Lord God, you set before them. You strengthen them. Give them boldness, Lord God, to complete what you set before them. That your kingdom may be glorified. I give you thanks and praise, Father, for your sacrifice that you made for us. We give you thanks, Father, for the leadership that you've provided for us in these times. We ask a blessing and a mighty blessing upon it, Lord God. In Jesus' holy name, give you thanks. Amen. 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 Thanks, brother. Thank Amen. you. Thank you, everyone. Have a remarkable day in the Lord. Suzanne, did you have one more song for us there? You look like you were ready to go. Well, I'm just, I'm still feeling graves into gardens. All right. Just a declaration. Amen. Sounds good. Thank you.